what strikes yeah. one very much, I think, is, is uh, the way in which the problems which were stated at the beginning are still there, which some well, people might regard as a yeah. proof that one is not making much progress. Well, the philosopher Whitehead once characterized this rather strikingly, didn't he, by saying that all Western philosophy is merely footnotes to Plato. Yes. And there's a sense in which that is true. I mean, Plato yes. mapped out the yes. territory, and we've all been working in it ever since. I think the more one studies Plato, the more one sees that this is true, that he yeah. raised practically every problem and raised it in a very sophisticated way. Hi, I'm Dr. Devin Sanchez-Curry, and you're listening to Dialogues, Meditations, and Analyses, a companion podcast for the Problems of Philosophy course I teach at West Virginia University. That's our old friends Iris Murdoch and Brian McGee, commenting on Plato's vast influence on the history of Western philosophy. On today's episode, we're going to discuss not Plato per se, but Socrates, the figure whose visage is represented on the mask in this podcast's cover image. Socrates, who was born around 470 BC and was put to death in 399 BC, was Plato's teacher. He didn't write anything himself. Instead, what we know about Socrates is almost entirely due to his being the main character in the philosophical dialogues written by Plato, and to a lesser extent in the writings of the historian Xenophon and the playwright Aristophanes. So this week's notes on the reading concern not the author, but the protagonist of this week's readings. Here's some notes on the reading, yep. I said notes on the reading. In particular, to continue with last week's theme, we're going to discuss the question of whether or not Socrates was a bullshitter. On Socrates' own telling, that is, Plato's telling of Socrates' telling, he's just somebody who wants to know how one ought to live. It seems to him that to figure out how he ought to live, it's best to examine not only himself, but also others, particularly those people who claim to know a lot about the most important things in life. In Socrates' own words, these examinations constitute practicing philosophy. And insofar as he reaches any conclusions at all, he's convinced that one ought to live one's life by practicing philosophy. He says, famously, that the unexamined life is not worth living. So Socrates presented himself as somebody who was concerned only with living well and searching for the truth, as a necessary means of figuring out how to live well. But others saw him differently. As Plato dramatizes it in the Apology, Socrates was sentenced to death because a jury of 501 of his fellow Athenians convicted him of being a bullshit artist of the most pernicious, politically devious sort. A sophist. Sophists, such as Gorgias of Leontini and Protagoras of Abdera, were itinerant teachers of rhetoric. Most sophists were foreigners, not Greeks, but they were very popular in Socrates' Athens as teachers of ambitious young men. In ancient Athens, as Dr. Bernstein mentioned back in episode 2, political representatives were actually elected by lottery. That early litocracy, combined with huge juries of the sort that convicted Socrates, meant that every citizen really was a politician. And being a good politician entails being a good rhetorician, being able to persuade people that you're right and others are wrong about important matters. Thus, the sophists, as skilled teachers of rhetoric, 
did very good business in Athens. But they were also the target of a considerable amount of public hostility. Aristocrats were not fond of silver-tongued foreigners coming to Athens and charging huge fees to equip the youth with the ability to win arguments and influence people. Indeed, Plato and Socrates themselves present this hostility as being well-grounded. Plato and Socrates called themselves philosophers, lovers of wisdom, precisely to distinguish themselves from the sophists, wisdom peddlers. Philosophers think and talk in order to learn about the world, and thereby learn to live well. Sophists, by contrast, think and talk in order to win socially and politically salient debates, and thereby, let's be honest, make money. Protagoras, perhaps the most famous sophist of his day, was famous for employing debating tricks that enabled him to, quote, make the weaker argument the stronger, end quote. In other words, Sophists like Protagoras dedicated themselves to winning the verbal argument in the public sphere, and gaining the spoils that go to the victors of such arguments, even when their arguments were actually logically weaker than their opponents. Making the weaker argument the stronger was, not incidentally, also one of the charges brought against Socrates at his trial. So, was Socrates right that there was a clear distinction between himself and Protagoras? Or did he protest just a little bit too much? Reading Plato's rendition of the guy, it's hard to flat-out deny the Athenian's charge that he's a bullshit artist in some sense or other. Socrates was convicted on charges of impiety and corrupting the youth. For the most part, in his apology, aka his legal defense, Socrates doesn't deny that he's engaged in the particular activities he's accused of having engaged in. Instead, Socrates just re-describes those activities. Sure, he endlessly harangued Athens' youth with metaphysical and ethical questions. But it wasn't sophistry. He didn't charge for his services, and he didn't corrupt anybody. To be frank, this reeks a little bit of bullshit. It's kind of like Bill Clinton saying that, sure, he experimented with marijuana a time or two, but he didn't like it and he didn't inhale. Yes, he did the thing he's being accused of doing, but he didn't do it in the bad way, you know? It's perfectly reasonable to ask, is Socrates bullshitting the jury here? Last week, we discussed two varieties of bullshit. The activity of Frankfurtian bullshitting, in which somebody has no regard for the truth, and the product of Cohen-esque bullshit, claims that are unclarifiably unclear. It's easy to see how, at least if you don't get to know him very well, Socrates could be credibly accused of being a bullshitter of both varieties. He seems like a Frankfurtian bullshitter in that he's constantly harassing people into becoming confused about what to believe. Observing these interactions, one might well conclude that Socrates doesn't really give a shit about what's true or false. He just wants to corrupt the youth by wreaking havoc on their belief systems. As you'll see, Plato's Socratic dialogues often end in what the ancient Greeks called aporia, a state of befuddlement, in which everything seems much less clear than it did at the start of the discussion. In light of that, Socrates also seems like somebody who produces Cohen-esque bullshit. The end point of all of his philosophizing is befuddlement. For all of his analytical nitpicking, he and his interlocutors almost always end up in a place where there's nothing clear to be said about the subject matter at hand. And indeed, 
in a place where all hope of clarifying that subject matter has been exhausted. On top of all of that, it must be admitted that Socrates is just really annoying. He asks question after question. He never gives any answers himself. He actually knew he was annoying. In the Apology, he compares himself to a gadfly who does nothing but buzz around and sting people. Moreover, Socrates has the most annoying sarcastic sense of humor, which his almost equally annoying followers, like Plato, obnoxiously celebrate as oh-so-wise and witty Socratic irony. All in all, it's not hard to see why most Athenians were exasperated with the guy. Nevertheless, Socrates' side of the story is that he's a bullshit detector, not a bullshit artist. By his own lights, he's the exact opposite of a Frankfurtian bullshitter. He's totally, single-mindedly concerned for the truth. He's convinced that searching for the truth is the only way to live well. Yes, he readily admits that he knows that he knows nothing. But that's just because he cares about the truth so much that he refuses to claim it when he hasn't yet earned it. And indeed, Socrates' overwhelming concern for the truth seems to be pretty clearly demonstrated in this week's other reading, the Euthyphro. In that dialogue, Socrates dedicates himself to showing the title character, Euthyphro, that he doesn't know what he thinks he knows either. Only somebody who's more concerned with seeking the truth than with being pious would doggedly question the nature of piety to the extent that Socrates does in the Euthyphro, without worrying about whether or not it's pious to do so. Socrates' accusers cast him as a Frankfurtian bullshitter, since he doesn't recognize the truth is right in front of his nose. But Socrates rejects the premise that the things we see right in front of our noses are real capital T truths. So for Socrates, the way to reject Frankfurtian bullshit is to embrace skepticism, not to deny that there are truths, but to realize that truths aren't knowable prior to a whole lot of philosophical inquiry. Indeed, Socrates is concerned with detecting both Frankfurtian and Cohen-esque bullshit. He's concerned with showing that the sophists haunting Athens are Frankfurtian bullshitters, peddlers of cheap tricks for making the weaker argument the stronger, without any concern for truth. But he's also concerned with revealing that sincere folks like Euthyphro, who do seem to care about the truth, are nevertheless committed to views that are not only unclear, but can be shown to be unclarifiable through Socratic questioning. That's why Socrates wants his conversations to end in aporia. Per Socrates' reasoning, it's better to be befuddled and recognize that befuddlement for what it is. It's better to really come to know that you know nothing than to think that you know something when you're really just a self-deluded producer of what, in the end, is nothing better than Cohen-esque bullshit. That's it for today's notes on the reading. Now let's turn to talking about what we'll talk about. Next time we're face to face. Next time we're face to face. Next time we're face to face. During this week's class discussions, we'll further adjudicate whether Socrates was a bullshitter or bullshit detector, or maybe a bit of both, by delving into the details of the central argument of the Euthyphro. There won't be another episode of this podcast for a couple of weeks. In my stead, you'll be listening to three episodes of Peter Adamson's masterful podcast, The History of Philosophy Without Any Gaps. This week, while you're reading the Euthyphro and the Apology, you'll listen to his episode on Plato's characterization of Socrates. Then, next week, 
you'll read and listen to Adamson's episodes about two more of Plato's Socratic dialogues, the Mino and the Phaedo, both of which start to transition away from describing the historical Socrates' thought and towards using the character of Socrates as a mouthpiece for Plato's own philosophical views. I hope you'll enjoy Adamson's podcast, and I'll talk to you again in two weeks on episode six of Dialogues, Meditations, and